0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen. What comes to mind if I ask you to think of a person in authority? Someone who has authority or someone who's in a position of authority? Perhaps it's a commander of armed forces or maybe a mayor of a city or a governor of a state, maybe it's a police officer, or a teacher, or a parent. Truth be told, the image of someone in authority could mean many different things to many different people. One image that I assume probably didn't come up for many of you is the image of a little baby. We don't don't usually associate newborn infants with someone who's in authority, do we? Babies don't have any decision-making capabilities. They don't run schools or businesses or military operations. Although, ask any parent of a young child, and they'll admit that their children do have enough authority to uh, keep them jumping pretty well. They're, not very, they're, uh, they're very good, rather, at making adults do some pretty incredible things at a moment's notice. But still, a baby is not a traditional image of authority. Well, I bring all of this up because all throughout Advent and Christmas, we are surrounded by images of the child of Bethlehem, Jesus Christ. We sing about him in our hymns and carols. We decorate our homes and our church with with figures of the Holy Family in the Bethlehem stable. We see that newborn infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But do we consider him specifically Jesus as a baby? a person of authority. Most would say that Jesus' authority as an infant goes no further than that of any other baby. He has the ability to command his parents to help satisfy his newly acquired earthly needs. We know from scripture in Philippians, for instance, that Jesus, the Son of God, emptied himself, taking the form of a servant when he entered our world. He laid aside his divine majesty to be born among us and to live as a humble servant. Jesus himself said that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So again, what authority does a servant have? What authority does this newly incarnated child have? Well, the truth is, it was for the purpose of serving that the little child born in Bethlehem was given all authority. Jesus did receive the authority of a servant. Specifically, he received the authority of a shepherd over his flock, a shepherd who would use his authority to serve God's people. And that's the name of Jesus that we consider this evening, that Jesus is the good shepherd, that he was born as an infant to grow up, to live and to die with the authority of, Of the good shepherd. Jesus' ancestor, King David, the great King David, was himself a shepherd way back when. In fact, when Samuel came to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel, David wasn't even there. If you'll recall, he was out in the fields keeping the sheep. And of course, we know that Jesse's house, David's hometown, was in Bethlehem. The same town where the good shepherd was. Was to be born. And so it's significant then that God's people in the Old Testament received a a prophecy from Micah. That's our Old Testament reading tonight. And these are words addressed directly to Bethlehem saying that the Messiah would come from this little town, a ruler for Israel who would bring rest, who would bring peace. And he would stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. In other words, the Messiah, the shepherd, would be authorized, would have the authority to eternally care for the flock. Of God's people the Messiah the good shepherd of course is Jesus and I wonder if these words if that prophecy from Micah was flashing in anyone's minds as Jesus stood up as as recorded in John chapter 10 when he stood up and said I am the good shepherd because surely they would have known what town Jesus was from and what his ancestry from that he was from uh, what his ancestry was that he was from the line of David but unfortunately when Jesus said that I am the good shepherd i think probably many of them missed it including his own disciples at least at first but Jesus couldn't have made things any more clear I am the good shepherd, he says. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. And this charge I have received from my father. Do you hear what Jesus is saying there? Jesus is making it absolutely clear. He has come with the authority to lay down his life to save the flock. Because he and he alone has the authority from God the Father to do just that. This is the authority of the good shepherd who lays his life on the line for the sake of his sheep. And by doing this, the shepherd leads his flock. He leads his redeemed people, you and me, safely through the valley of the shadow of death. And he is able to navigate that dark valley in safety because he is the only one who has already passed through death and emerged triumphant on the other side. Death could not keep our good shepherd in its valley, and therefore it will not keep his flock either. And that's why our Savior, that's why the good shepherd was born. This is why he came. His father sent him on a mission to save the world, and he was sent with the authority to accomplish it perfectly. Jesus was given the authority to lay down his life on the cross as the perfect servant. And Jesus was given the authority to take up his life again, leaving behind the empty tomb and the dark shadows of death within it. Jesus died to pay the debt of sin that we owe, the penalty of death that we had earned for ourselves. Because like sheep who wander, we constantly are finding our way into danger, the danger of sin, the danger of death. We know God's word, we know God's will for us, but we turn away from them constantly. Instead of following our shepherd and his gracious voice, we so often follow our sinful desires and the temptations of the world around us. But that's why our good shepherd came. He came to do what good shepherds always do, to seek and to save lost sheep. Jesus seeks us out. He gathers us to himself he forgives all of our sins. The, the, he paid our debt with his own life. He anoints us. He has claimed us as his own in the waters of baptism. He feeds us with his body and blood in his holy supper. And he fills us with the Holy Spirit so that we may now follow our shepherd throughout our entire lives. Until the day when we dwell securely and at peace with him forever. Our epistle reading this evening gives us a glimpse into that eternal home where we with all the redeemed stand before the throne of God and of the Lamb and and this is the beauty of scripture because again what we hear prophesied in the Old Testament in this case the the prophecy regarding a shepherd in and uh, the and the Messiah in Micah we see fulfilled in Jesus in the New Testament and then promised fully And perfectly and revealed when Christ comes again in the future. And that's what Revelation 7 is showing us. It's showing us that future reality. That we have a place among the countless multitude. People from every nation who will be coming out of the great tribulation led in safety by their shepherd. And we will stand before his throne. Our sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb, who is and always has been our Good Shepherd. We will pasture in safety. We will drink from the springs of living water. We will have no hunger or thirst or pain in any way. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Let me ask you to imagine one more thing tonight as we close Imagine that nativity scene that you know so well, that we have in our minds, of the little Christ child, born in Bethlehem, laying in a manger. It's a peaceful scene. It's an idyllic scene, isn't it? With Mary and Joseph and their first guests, the shepherds, all looking down at Jesus. And to what extent they realized this at the time, I don't know. But isn't it amazing to think that as they looked down on the face of Jesus, they were looking down at the face of their good shepherd. The one who had been prophesied. The one who had the authority. The one who had the authority to confront, to lay his life down for, and to ultimately destroy the enemies of sin, death, and the devil. The one who had the authority to pick up his life again and lead them through sin and death into a beautiful future with him. A future of extraordinary and eternal peace. And it's this, this Jesus, this Christ child, who has done the same for you and for me. And so it's his name that we worship, and praise, and give thanks for, and proclaim. Just like the shepherds that first Christmas night, it's His name that we cannot wait to proclaim. We cannot wait to share with others. In the name of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.